0: I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you're listening to The Katherine Zox Show. Uh, joining me today is author Shelby Scarborough, Civility Rules, Creating a Purposeful Practice of Civility. That's her book, and that's what we're going to be taught, her new book, that's what we're going to be talking about today. Uh, soon we'll be gathering with friends, families, neighbors, and colleagues for holiday celebrations. Well, we have started that. We did that with Thanksgiving. Uh, we want to find joy in the holidays, but our one conversation leads to another, and soon people find themselves talking about triggering topics like what or who was on the ballot or even other hot-button issues. Uh, former international protocol officer Shelby Scarborough uh, knows how conversations can quickly escalate, and soon you need to diffuse the situation with the understanding that sometimes people cross the line. She shares with us tips on how to take a civil approach to confrontation with friends, families, or neighbors, as well as advice on how you can appreciate someone's passion and views and respect their perspective. She began her career in the White House as a member of President Ronald Reagan's advance team, where she helped coordinate such landmark events as the Reagan-Gorbachev-Moscow Summit. Welcome to the show. Nice to have you on, Shelby. Thanks. So great to be here. Well, this is hot button issues, hot topics, uh, whether it's on holidays or any other time seems to be the seems to be what's happening all the time. Every day in politics, uh, you know, the whole gamut of, of topics that drive us crazy. So it's a big um, I guess it's a big job to, or a big uh, to be i'll say job or to be able to uh mitigate some of these conversations that can end up in disaster and uh, family friends neighbors really getting even even to brawls <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's uh not a good situation so what do we do i mean you are the expert i mean the uh you coordinated the Reagan Gorbachev Moscow summit so this should be easy
1: <laughs> you would think right
0: you would but think you know, right the
1: bottom liner we're all human and um, we all run into these situations Are you know, when you get into a situation where somebody sort of presses a button, um, we can all relate to feeling that, you know, boiling point coming up into our chest and getting tight and wanting to just uh, scream back at somebody or get, you know, or retaliate or, or somehow defend ourselves. And, and that's, it's a real, uh, it is a real talent and a real skill actually to to avoid that kind of thing um especially if you think there's something that's saying, that's being said that's really wrong you know um so it's it's I, I that's why i call my book a purposeful practice of civility because it's kind of like a doctor or a lawyer it's a constant practice and we're constantly needing to hone that skill it's not just a switch we turn on and off um you know the bet- the more we use it the better we get at it and the easier it is to navigate difficult conversations
0: So How do we do that? How are we going to navigate those conversations? And you say we have to keep honing on the skill. We have to keep doing it and doing it. Can we just start Mm -hmm. from giving us an example? It can be, you know, where these kinds of issues come up. And what do we do? Because most obvious is politics, politics at the Thanksgiving dinner table. And I've heard some horrific stories since then, because we've already begun this quote celebrations they're supposed to be celebrations so what do we do how do we begin you know somebody mentioned something that just really goes against your grain something we'll say political and you're sitting there with you know at the table it could be the next round of holidays um instead of yelling at them or (laughs) leaving the scene what how there are better ways to do it what do we do
1: well, I think one of the first things we have to ask ourselves is how much does this relationship matter to me? And maybe I'm sitting at the dinner table, and um, somebody I know really well it, it hits a sore point with me, or uh, somebody maybe it's somebody I don't know well, or it's the the you know the uh, the date of somebody that came, and you and it's kind of surprising that maybe they're saying something that they don't realize is going to trigger some things at, at the dinner table. Well, the bottom line is you say, okay, how much does this, this particular relationship matter to me or this, the relationship in this situation of my host, of the people around me? Um, and if it doesn't matter, then why go there? And if it does matter, then why go there? So it, it really, to me, it, this is how I look at it anyway. You know, this is, this is one person's perspective after many years of dealing with dignitaries and situations where we're trying to make, build relationships and not break relationships. So the point is, if we can, if we can, sometimes we just need to just keep our mouths shut. But if something's directed directly at us, and I've had that happen recently, you know, so, but how can you say this or how do you, how can you feel this way? And I can say, well, I understand that you feel differently Than I do. Um, I have a different perspective on it, and either I decide to go into it in a little detail and explain maybe a situation that I can say this is how I've come to this conclusion, or I just choose to say I don't. We probably aren't going to agree, and maybe we need to move on to something else that's less controversial or less um, less painful to talk about. I mean, it doesn't mean we don't address the situation. I just think we have to choose. I personally choose to choose joy and civility than conflict and, you know, um, competition for the the right answer. And that's where a little bit of our own humility comes in. Is we, you know, humility for me is about is not about being an amoeba with no backbone and no opinion. But it doesn't mean that my opinion has is the is the answer. It means that I'm a student and I'm always learning. So, basically people come at the situation from their own perspectives, And and at least we, we probably need to try to respect that if if nothing else and try to learn more about why they have come to that conclusion. So if we want to diffuse it, literally it's better in my experience, I found it's better to sort of ask questions to say, to ask them to go further into their, their viewpoints or how they come to that conclusion or share an example without making it sound, um, like you're cross-examining them and and say, you know trying to prove them wrong. We have to come at the world with a spirit of generosity and openness. And I find that that's, for me, that's one of the best ways to have a delightful experience and yet not be afraid to have conversations um, or have something come up at a, at a dinner table, for example, that might uh, raise a few, you know, hairs on the back of somebody's neck.
0: Well, generosity and openness. I mean, that's good to remember. I uh, just personally, I have a, I, I was on the, I've always liked to debate. I was on the debating team uh, at any school that I ever went to. And I get <laughs> accused of 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 doing maybe what you're saying we need not to do. Like, I like to debate. I'm, I'm not really, a, I always feel I'm not attacking you. Maybe I'm a, attacking what you're saying or disagreeing with that, but I'm not attacking your person. I think that's another piece of it. If, if we could learn that it, it's really not the person, it may be the issue, but, and that and exactly. maybe yeah. And they may be very different as, you know, as you say, and make it interesting. Yeah. We don't need everyone sitting down and I don't think anyway, this kind of bland conversation because no one wants to bring up anything controversial. And that's not what you're saying. I was
1: at a brunch the other day and somebody said, can we talk about politics? And I know that I'm on the opposite side of the table politically than the host. And the host said, can we talk about politics? And I said, yeah, absolutely. And so there was a point where um, the other host was sort of was I know we had diametrically opposed positions on something, but I I know we left friends and friendly and happy and, and maybe he doesn't agree with me, but that's okay. It's okay to not agree. I mean, this is, for me, the point of civility is not to shut down discussion, it's to open it up and it's to help build relationships and be able to have conversations on difficult things where we can communicate with one another and respect the views of somebody else. One of the things that we tend to do when we have conversations is say this is say something as fact. Well, this is I, I hesitate to pick a particular political side for an argument, but this um, candidate um, is bad because of this. Well, how much of that is fact or opinion? And most of it, most of it, if we really are clear, is opinion or something we've heard and, and there is so much spin these days that it's I hesitate to claim anything as fact. And I, can, I tend to put things, the words, I believe in front of my sentence these days. I believe this because that's, or I feel this. Those are two things that are you know, you, you can say that, you, somebody can say, well, I don't believe that to be true. Okay, well, then you believe something different. But to put a fact out there without absolutely knowing 100% that it's a fact is a little treacherous in those kind of conversations.
0: Yeah, and I think and it's very difficult the these date. days to find out, I mean, and this is a real this is also a top a hot topic of a discussion, really knowing what the facts are with all this information that we're getting 24/7 from all different areas and and in the media. We it's very difficult to discern facts just in general. So I, yes, it's safer to say, I believe this, you believe that, and, and get into the discussion. Uh, The other thing is, I think is, and um, one of, that's helpful is that if I look at the conversation is I might learn something. I might not necessarily end up believing what that person believes, but Mm -hmm. I can ask them questions. I might learn some new stuff. I might learn something instead of cutting them off and uh, telling my story. I know what my story is and what I believe. Uh, that can get boring also. So maybe I'll learn something new to add to my repertoire, you know, going in.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, things like I can pick, let's say, the Second Amendment, you know, the hot topic, gun control. So yeah. if you if we, whatever side of it we may be on, what if we forgot about that side for a second and stopped pushing our opinion on it and started asking questions about why somebody believes in their viewpoint, that's going to open them up and let, but we have to be willing to hear it. We have to be, it starts with us. It's sort of where I, it starts with me. It starts with I, it starts with the I in civility. I need to take responsibility for my position and I need to take responsibility for my actions. I can't change anybody else. I can, somebody else might change in how they deliver something, how they pr- uh, approach an issue, how they approach a conversation how they respond to me based on how I behave. But I cannot force change on them. And so all we can do is come to the table ready to be, to, to listen and to learn and to learn to listen.
0: Shelby, here's an interesting, uh, maybe a difficult one, a scenario. One of my friends just told me, now she's a Democrat and she sat down and told me, both my kids have told me now they're, going to be they're republicans. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. And, and it, this is a a very serious family issue and she, and she began to discuss her feelings about it. Okay, that's an example. It could be the opposite. She could be uh, a republican and they could want to be democrats. That's not really the issue, right. right? But it is something that is very is has become very difficult for her to accept. So, um she needs to read your book, but
1: um that's,
0: <laughs> Right, uh,
1: but well, all, that's not all we can. Yeah. Do, from no, a parental ahead. standpoint, all we can do in those situations is continue to, I mean, if you have to, maybe asking ourselves why are we concerned about that? Um, what is it that we're concerned about? And getting to the core of the our own feelings about why that would be upsetting. You know, that our children would choose a different political party than we had raised them in. I mean, that that becomes part of an ego in a way. It becomes part of a value system question. Um, you know, they're, But they are becoming adults on their own. They're, they're forming their own opinions. And so it becomes an opportunity for a conversation around why we have divergent views on something. And, and then finding, for me, it's about finding the common places that we have, the commonalities and not the differences. And you can perhaps persuade them or, or influence them into one way or another based on healthy conversation. But calling somebody out and saying, how can you do that is probably not going to change their mind.
0: So what do you do when you are in that you're a, by, a bystander or you're part of the conversation and you get two people, whether you're at a meeting or whether you are at home or with whom a colleague or family, friends, whoever, and you get two people who are going at it. What would you do in the, that kind of a situation to help kind of mitigate this, to, to, to kind of stop the 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 conversation from escalating.
1: So I guess if, if we're, I'm often put in the middle as a sort of a mediator um, because of my background, because of my demeanor or something. So I recognize that position a lot. I, I I resemble, I recognize that scenario and I see myself there quite a bit. It's, um, you know, sometimes I, I, I try to stop myself from jumping in too soon and to, to save, you know, a situation. Uh, People, I let people, be adults and let them set, let them sort of play it out a little bit. But, you know, sometimes it's better to say, if it gets too heated or something, and say, okay, why don't we take a break on this? Or maybe we can, uh, you know, talk about something that we both enjoy. Or how about this Dodgers response? I mean, there's a, humor can diffuse things. Also, we have to be a little careful with humor because certain kinds of humor don't translate. And so... Um, One thing, especially in difficult situations, sometimes, um, I mean, and for sure, I've done a lot of cross cultural stuff, cross language, um, sarcasm is a good example of something that doesn't translate well. And so, in the same situation when you're in heated arguments, sarcasm is, is taken as a sign of disrespect sometimes. And so, a little bit of humor is fun, but it's got to be lighthearted and, and something to sort of lighten the mood and, and hopefully get everybody to have a chuckle and and bring the energy in the room back to a positive place. Um, it, again, it takes a little bit of skill and talent and it doesn't have to be confrontational.
0: It's interesting when people are watching a sports event and they're on opposite sides or rooting for different teams. They seem That seems to be usually a, a fun kind of camaraderie even, even though they're rooting for, you know, it's the challenge is exciting. And it, and then when the game's over, whoever won, you know, everybody has their drinks or beer or whatever they do and celebrate, you know what I mean? And they're not at each other in a very personal way in in that kind of, yeah.
1: Yeah. And that wouldn't that be a great way to look at even a political conversation if we could kind of reframe in our heads that, that this is, um, this is, we can behave that way and root each other on. Although many people, and I understand it, look at these situations, say politically, our government discussions and things as, or moral discussions as things that are conse- more consequential than a, than a sports game. And I, so, you know, that's where we can find our common bonds when we can say we can root for the other team, so to speak. Um, but it's, it's, there some places it seems more consequential to us and, I, I do get it. I get the passion and the understanding that you know how, if somebody believes something fundamentally different than us, it's hard to get our head around that sometimes when we're so convinced that our own position is the right one. But if we are truly trying to be civil and trying to work through those things, we have to be able to look at it through the other person's eyes with empathy and compassion. And you brought up the debate. I've often thought that one of the things that we're missing in schools these days are the debate clubs and the debate teams because yeah. that teaches us to, yes, argue our points, but we, in many cases, you're, you're assigned, am I wrong? You're assigned to argue the, the point that you might not agree with. You have to get deep into the subject to be able to um, persuasively argue a side that you may have absolutely no affinity with.
0: No, exactly, and I've mentioned that uh, actually to several colleagues, people. Uh, that's true, and we need to bring the debating teams back to the schools for the ver- that very reason. Yes, you have to do that. You you debate one side, and then halfway through the meet, you have to debate the other side, and and that's really a good way of beginning to be able to to think about what we've been talking about. And I, I don't, I, and actually, debating teams haven't. I don't see too much of it in middle school I or do. high school. Uh, anymore, for, for whatever reason.
1: They would be great. They're great exercises in communication, and, and I'm sad to see that they have gone the way of uh, music departments and art departments and everything else that sort of shows us the bigger picture in this world. Yeah.
0: What's the worst situation you've been in? Maybe not political, but uh, personal. And I'll say personal, but in in your daily life, in terms of the what we've been talking about, arguments that have escalated, uh that didn't necessarily have to.
1: Well, certainly, you know, I think that the people that are closest to us are the ones that can get under our skin the most, and the ones that can, they know how to, you know, to poke at us, that to make us. Lose our footing on staying civil. So, for for me, I think you know my my family, my uh, closest friends, sometimes are my greatest greatest teachers, um, and that's the way we have to look at it. Or at least I choose to look at it. Is that they're not enemies. They're the people that I love, and yet we disagree, and we have to come to a place of how do we move forward uh, so that we can find peace and joy uh, in our lives with each other. If we care about that relationship, um, and I go back to the very beginning of this conversation, it's do you care about the relationship or you don't? If you don't, why bother worrying about, you know, correcting somebody or trying to change somebody's mind? And if you do care about the person, then we need to have respect for that person's position and try to work through it. And, you know, show that, build the trust in the conversation, build the respect, uh, earn the respect of, your, of whoever it is you have a conflict with whether it's a boss or a colleague or a family member, those those are the most important relationships to us, and they're the ones worth working at.
0: Practical Protocol LLC, you founded that company. Tell us about that.
1: Yeah, I, I came out of the White House and the State Department, um, you know, having worked for President Reagan and then uh, on his events and all over the world, and then going to the State Department where I handled the, the incoming guests to the presidency, which was kings, queens, prime ministers, and foreign ministers. So I had the opportunity to work with a lot of different situations um and the fu- funny ones where the communication is everything you know and you think yeah. you're on the same uh page and then all of a sudden it's lost in translation and <laughs> um or sometimes just outright disregarded um i have a, in moscow we had a funny one it was things like our favorite phrase of the team that was there is uh it's no problem it's impossible so every time we would ask something that would be the response um and once they would come back to us and say Okay. What we'll acquiesce and we'll we'll do, move this microphone here. By the time we got to the event, it was all back to the way the Soviets wanted it at the time. <laughs> so there was there was the trust factor became a little tricky there. But you know we tried to negotiate in earnest. Well, when I came out of um, that, I I knew I was meant to be an entrepreneur because my family is a family of entrepreneurs and I wanted to start my own business. And I basically started a company doing what I knew how to do, which was handle logistics for dignitaries. And I was fortunate to have Nelson Mandela as my first client. And he, it was right when he was out of prison. So it was before he was president. And right when he was out of prison, he came to the United States. And that was the beginning of my company.
0: Most people can't say that. The beginning of their company is Nelson Mandela. That's a high-profile <laughs> client,
1: I would say, right?
0: That's, that's, it that's it pretty...
1: helped this, getting the second client, which was Pope John Paul II. Like and that. it went from there. And I handled ministers from uh, all different countries, delegations coming to the United States to look at, you know, buying opportunities like ministers of health who were looking at me- medical technology, things like that. So it was a, a really interesting time of life. And eventually I've, I've sort of morphed into public speaking and writing and um, things like that because I got a little older and I was uh, wanting to lead my life more instead of living on the road with helping other people create memories.
0: <laughs> but now you've written your book. We have a couple of minutes left. So uh, you You're sort of, uh, I I want to, civility rules, because I think this is one of the important topics of the day, creating a purposeful practice of civility. So, uh, Shelby, where can we get the book? And where can we, what websites can we go to to get more more information about you and the work that you're doing?
1: Sure. It's available on Amazon and Barnes & Noble, and there's an audio book as well. Uh, it's also available on my website, which is shelbyscarbro.com, and um, there's lots of other information about all the things that I'm engaged in, lots of different activities and businesses and things, and um, it's, I'd love to hear from anybody who has a, a view on civility and wants to um, you know share in that process. I, I believe that joy and civility are... My middle name is Joy, so I believe that joy and civility are interrelated. Uh, without joy, it's hard to be civil, uh, grumpy people aren't very civil usually, <laughs> and without civility, it's hard to find joy in the world. And, and I'm all about living our best lives. So to me, the two of them go hand in hand.
0: Shelby Joy Scarborough, thank you so much for being on the show today. Great
1: conversation. Delightful. Thanks so much.
0: I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you've been listening to The Catherine Zox Show.